we're a small company, we don't have a huge budget, but we're sponsoring pickleball. Pickleball obviously is the newest sport, right? It's incredibly expensive to sponsor sailing or yachting or tennis or golf, where a lot of accredited ultra wealthy investors are. We're paying fairly little amount and getting in front of those accredited investors because pickleball is a sport that attracts In this episode, I'm talking to Jessica Zal, CMO of Percenti, modern private credit market. The company recently raised $30 million and was ranked the fourth largest New York tech startup that raised money in May 2023. We'll talk about one, the company's marketing budget, two, how Jessica approaches email marketing when it comes to targeting investors, and number three, a specific category that is showing huge promise when it comes to events. Listen more to find out the details. We'll also try to figure out exactly how much money this company makes and how many investors are actually using the platform. And if she can't answer a question, we both have to take a shot of hot sauce. Wish me luck, Martians. Hope you enjoyed this one. Hello, hello, Martians. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing on Mars. Today, we got two special guests. We got Jessica Zal. She is currently the CMO of a company called Percent. Percent basically is a company that is modernizing the private credit marketplace making private credit accessible to all. They just raised an incredible Series B round, which is crazy because it's very challenging right now to raise money. They were actually ranked number nine largest New York tech startup that recently raised money this quarter. So super excited to have Jessica on the show. And on the other hand, we have AJ Wilcox. AJ Wilcox is a friend of mine. He is one of the top voices when it comes to LinkedIn ads. So we're excited to both work together to grill Jessica in terms of questions. We're going to ask her tough, tough questions. And whenever she can't answer a question, we're all going to take a shot of hot sauce. So before we begin, Jessica, thank you for coming on the show. Maybe just a quick intro on yourself, uh, how you became the CMO of Percent, and, uh, and yeah, just like a little background on yourself. Sure. Um, thank you for having me again. Um, and uh, great to uh, meet you, AJ. Um, so a little bit about me. I have been in uh, marketing and sales business for, I don't want to date myself, but over 20 <laughs> years um, at big companies, at small companies, medium-sized companies. Um, I started out in sales at, at Fidelity. So I have a sales yeah, mindset really? and then actually went to grad school for something completely different that wound up not working out because of the Great Recession <laughs> and I couldn't get into public education, which is what I was going for. Wound back up in, uh, right, in uh, financial services and fintech um, in marketing um, and just Probably. kind of worked my way up. So I've been around for a while. Um, again, it's always been within financial services and fintech. Um, I joined Percent in October of 2021, I believe it was. So it's been, you know, a little over a year and a half, almost two years. Uh, and again, you know, Percent is a quickly uh, growing company. It was named one of the fastest growing companies in the Northeast by Inc. Uh, a few months ago, which is great. And, you know, really joined Percent um, as CMO in order to build Hi. from the ground up. Um, you know, I've been in big companies. I led marketing strategy at a company called Refinitiv, which is similar to Bloomberg. It's now owned by London Stock Exchange. Um, I ran marketing strategy and uh, campaigns for all of their businesses there. And I was really looking to get back into startup world where I could see the fruits of my labor and really be able to truly, truly analyze um, ROI and understand what I'm doing um, and how it's contributing to the revenue pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you've worked at big companies like Fidelity, and I'm just going down the list, like you, you worked at uh, uh, Thompson Ru uh, Reuters, uh, Reuters, you worked at JP Morgan. When you work at big companies like that, a company that has been in Series B seems relatively small, right? Uh, so we're yeah. excited to dive into all of your background. Maybe talk about your knowledge as well. You've been through a recession before, and we're kind of in a recession now. So we'll We'll dive into all of that and maybe I'll, I'll ask you a bunch of questions. But uh, uh, AJ, maybe you can do like a quick intro on yourself. You're going to be taking over the LinkedIn ad segment of the show. Sure thing. So AJ Wilcox, I run a company called B2Linked.com. We're an ad agency that LinkedIn ads is all we do. Uh, we're the only ad agency to be official LinkedIn partners. I'm the host of the LinkedIn ad show podcast and uh, been 
doing this for uh, 11-ish years. Yeah, I've seen some of your stuff. Super exciting to have you on and uh, ask Jessica some tough LinkedIn questions. Before we all begin, there's a tradition on the show where we all start off with a little shot of hot sauce just to kick things off. I have a few weapons here that go from media, uh, like mild to, to medium to killer spicy. Uh, what do you guys have? Like, what are your weapons? We'll start with Jessica. Sure. So I, I'm normally based in New York City where we have some of the best artisanal hot sauce that can get really super hot. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't bring it with me. I am uh, traveling this weekend and I'm in my family's house in New Hampshire. So I had my family run out to the store and grab me some hot sauce. So it's not my preferred hot it. sauce, but I do have Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce. Uh, and this is, I think this is with habanero and maybe even ghost pepper. Okay, cool. I have the, like this is the Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I have the the yeah. old standard that you can get at the grocery store, Cholula. That's what my favorite right, 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 right. This is local, actually. Uh, I think it is. Sweet Baby Ray's Hot Sauce. Um, I don't know how hot this one is. Um, I'm hoping it's hot. Yeah. And then Fine I think... <laughs> I'm embarrassed to show this one, but this is this is what they picked me up. Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I may be sticking with these, the, the ones I have, because I'm, I'm also not a not a uh, wing person. So. Okay, cool. AJ, what do you have? I, I heard that you are like the number one spicy eater in, in, in Utah. No, man. I'm, I suck Whoa. at spice. Seriously, table pepper is too spicy for me. Wait. I don't add pepper to anything. Um that being said, so because I'm not a spice person, I don't have hot yeah. sauce in the home. Uh, I actually went, we, we have a, a popular barbecue yeah. restaurant near us uh, called R&R Barbecue here oh, in Utah. Yeah. And so I this might be cheating a little bit, but I went and got a tub of, of their hottest hot okay. sauce, their hottest barbecue sauce. So I'm going to be taking shots of barbecue All sauce. All right, so hot, spicy barbecue sauce. All right. So before we begin, let's give all the love to Percent. I mean, Percent is the company that you're working at, Jessica. Let's start the show off by telling us what exactly is Percent. I know I gave a short little intro, but maybe you yep. can expand on it. What is it that you guys are doing? What problem you guys are solving? And how exactly do you guys make money? Sure. Um, great questions. Um, complicated questions because we are a complicated business. Just to simplify it, we've actually created the really the first modern private credit marketplace. Now, private credit is an alternative asset class, right? Um, it's actually been around for a while. It's basically investing in non-bank loans, yeah. right? And it's historically been available to institutional investors, larger yeah. investors, right? They're basically lending money out to a company that will pay it back over a period of time. And they're making, yeah. you know, interest off of that, right? Right. Um, yeah. Oftentimes it's shorter durations where they'll pay them back yeah. in like, you know, nine months yeah. or they'll refinance yeah. every month. They can pull, people can pull more, the investors can pull money out. It's different than other alt asset classes, which are much longer durations where you hold them for multiple years, right? I think real estate may even be up to like 10 years, if not longer. Yeah. Um, and so we've created a marketplace bringing all three sides of a private credit transaction together. Now, the main problems are retail investors, accredited investors don't have never had yes. access to this, right? It's been to the institutions, right? Over the past, you know, handful of years, it has now become accessible yeah. to retail accredited investors. So it has become an attractive asset class. It is risky as an alternative investment. However, um, it does allow for, quote unquote, more stable returns yeah. and income generation um, and their shorter duration. So it has become very attractive and it's it's all in the news lately as well. Yeah. Um, and we brought investors together, given them a platform where they can um, so find deals that they want to invest in and do their due diligence. We are really the platform, the infrastructure that are bringing the deals to the market and letting investors make their own educated, informed decisions mm -hmm. by looking at all of the you know information mm -hmm. about the company that's raising the capital. And we're bringing the, the, the borrowers on the platform, which are well, the companies that raise the capital to sustain their business. They could be you know, lenders that are lending out to small businesses, consumers that need to have a consistent stream of capital. They could be companies that are backed by VCs that need to raise capital in between fundraising rounds, but we've brought them on a platform so that they can find investors and also find underwriters to structure the transaction yeah. because you actually need an underwriter to structure the transaction. There's never been a technology before 
for, um, at least as far as I know, uh-huh. for um, underwriters to structure this, um, these, this, this, uh, these private credit transactions for these retail accredited investors. And we cater to retail accredited as well as institutional. Really? So in a nutshell, it's really the first modern private credit marketplace that's bringing three sides together, allowing them to collaborate, basically, each person and each or each participant is able to get their business done, basically, um, and in a way um, that is a bit more standardized and transparent, because um, these markets have historically been very opaque. Right. So how exactly are you guys making money? So I, I heard underwriting. So you guys are underwriting certain deals. You guys what? are helping businesses raise money. So is that where you're making most of your money? You take like a percentage of amount raised or something? Or, or do you make money on the investor side? Because you also mentioned that you're working with retail and accredited yeah. inv- investors. Great question as well. Uh, we are now switching to be more of a pure B2B SaaS player where we are selling our software to underwriters, which could be banks, could be funds mm-hmm. that want to underwrite transactions. So we're getting a SaaS platform fee. That's really how we make our money. Okay. Um we are also charging fees on certain managed accounts where we have basically created, um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's mutual fund-like in a way where it's bringing multiple deals together in one basket that you invest in. They're longer term. Um, those can be set, you know, I think they're up to three years and you invest in those um, handful of deals. So you're spreading your risk out and we charge a 1% management fee on that. We will also hopefully in the next few months be um, making fees off of just your normal um, deals from an investor standpoint. Mm. Most all of these platforms charge investors a fee. We haven't been um, for four or five years. Um, we're going through broker dealer approval. And upon that, then we will um, we'll be able to, to charge a fee. Mm. Um, but really, the way we make our money is from the B2B SaaS, um, you know, the, the SaaS platform fee. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, Actually, I totally forgot. We didn't even do our initial shot of hot sauce. Let, like, let's do that. Let's do that before we dive further into percent. I'm going to... Now, how are we doing? Are we taking it right from the bottle or are we putting it in a I, cup? I have a spoon. If you have a cup, do the cup. I think, I think AJ has a spoon as well. He's going to go straight from the spoon. I'm going to do the cup. You're going to do the cup. I'm struggling with opening this brand new bottle. And we're not drinking any water or milk or anything after this, right? Well, preferably not. It's up to you. I won't. It's up to you. Okay. Okay. So you're a champion. You're also a, <laughs> a marathon. You're a marathon runner. So you know how to endure pain. I am. And I love hot sauce. I have to put hot sauce on everything, including salad. All right. I'm starting with habanero first and we'll go up to Carolina Reaper later. Uh, I am starting with the original all right and i'll go up to the uh aj the wicked hot sauce aj if you can vomit i'll give you a birthday gift if you can (laughs) cheers guys cheers yeah (laughs) aj you okay Oh man, it's it's thick and it's it hot. Is. It is. Oh. I can now see the sweat on my face, and it's also, as I mentioned before we started, it's also my. <sighs> oh yeah. So I may wind up. <laughs> oh my god! All right, um, AJ, please st- stay with us here, AJ. <laughs> it's hotter than table temperature. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'm starting with habanero, and we'll go up from there. Um, all right. So we learned a little bit about how you guys make money. Who exactly are the businesses that typically, like, what is your target business size or ICP, if you will? So I'm going to address that from the three different um, audiences, right? Uh, and I've actually, if you think about it, we probably have five different audiences because we're also targeting VCs because they've got companies that need, they've got companies that need to be able to borrow money in between their fundraising. I'm just going to focus on what you, you know, what we market as our three audiences, which are investors, borrowers, and underwriters. Mm. I'm going to start with borrowers. Okay. So the audience of the borrowers and the size of borrowers right now, they tend to be um, mid, small, medium, mid-market size. Um, and there are two different kinds, as I mentioned. 
Um, we've got um, fintech lenders that lend out yeah, in sorry. all around the world. Like we've got some in Africa, we've got some in, um, uh, I believe we've got some in Europe, and we've got a handful in Central America and then U.S. and Canada. Wow, so all um, over the and place. And they're based in. Yes, yes. Um, they're lending out like one of our um, uh, U.S. borrowers <laughs> lends out to small, medium-sized businesses uh, in the states. Right. Um, some lend out to lend out consumer loans. Some do payroll advances, merchant cash advances. We actually have one um, Peruvian fintech. We actually have a live deal on the platform right now that um, finances ride sharing, uh, ride hailing, ride hailing uh, apps is in um in peru wow so again more medium size yeah. yeah yeah and we've got another one um that did uh, financing for quote-unquote uber drivers they weren't uber drivers but in um in africa wow that's amazing so that this was yeah so that's the borrower on the underwriter right now because we're only five years old right um Right now, also middle market underwriters, uh, funds, banks, um, uh, mainly the funds. Um, and then on the investor side, these can be any any type of accredited investor. So we've got, um, I think we have, we probably have about 3,000 or so active investors at the moment. Um, and they're family offices. So small, mid-sized family offices. Um, uh, we've got some funds. Um, and then accredited investors, retail accredited investors. And just for the audience who, if, if you don't know what an accredited investor is, it just means that you have a certain amount of investable assets. It's $1 million in investable assets, or um, you make over a certain amount of money per over the last two years. Okay. Um, there are... And there are strict guidelines around private credit in terms of who can so invest. So 3,000 investors. And crypto. Yeah, crypto. Uh, 3,000 investors on the platform. How many borrowers on the platform? or businesses on the platform? We have, I think we have close to 50 borrowers right now okay. on the platform and it just keeps growing. Um, we just launched a new underwriter and borrower Okay. yesterday, I think. And then the, the last bucket, uh, the underwriters, how many underwriters are, are currently? Underwriters, I wanna say we have about six or seven. We just launched our underwriting technology right. in earnest. Um, Late last year, um, it went to, you know, we started, I'll explain a little bit about that. The underwriting technology, when we first started, we were underwriting our own transactions, but we wanted to step out of that. And we realized you need technology for that. So we built the technology and we used that technology. So it's tried and tested um, and proven with us because that's what we were using. And once we realized there was such a market need, we were able to step away to de-risk ourselves and let other underwriters come on. And so those have been slowly ticking, actually quickly ticking up since uh, December. Wow. Okay. So investors, businesses, and underwriters, we're going to talk a little bit about each one of, the, one of the buckets and how you guys use marketing because we're, this is a marketing podcast. We're going to talk about how we use marketing to target each one of these three buckets. Before we do that, I heard you guys recently raised some money. Let's talk a little bit about that. How much exactly did you guys raise? And hopefully you can answer all the rest of the questions I'll have as well. So first off, how much did you guys raise? So we raised just, we, we raised around 30 million. Around 30 million. Just slightly was going to wind up being 30 million in uh, the next couple of days. Um, and we announced on May 17th. Okay, cool. Um, and, um, and actually, let me just say it was oversubscribed. Okay. We were only going to raise I'm talking around about. 25 and then because of everything that's happening right now, it, it, it you know, it took us a long time for Series B. Your series right now is incredibly difficult to raise with what's going on in the yep. market and BC pullback and funding. And with what has been going on in the market um, over the last yeah. couple of months, especially with the SVB and Signature Bank collapse, private credit just took off. Hey. When I first started up, you really didn't hear anything about private credit. And right. now you read in the news almost every day about businesses now needing to look into private credit to be able to raise money to sustain their business uh, or in between fundraising rounds and investors and family offices wanting to um, provide to to invest or have more exposure in private credit for income generation and um, diversification. Um, so we had an oversubscription and 
a really lot of interest. And we actually extended our Series B until May because there was wow. so much interest. And, and maybe people actually yeah. trust private credit more than the big the big players because of all the things like SVB suddenly you know going through their whole thing. And maybe they trust private credit a little bit more. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's private credit is still risky, you know, um, regardless. But, you know, the big banks are risky as well. So look what happens. Exactly. Um, So like you mentioned, it is a tough market to raise in, mainly because of valuation. What valuation were you guys able to get at the 30 million? That I can't disclose. So that might be a hot sauce. Oh, there you go. Lights are off. AJ's ready. AJ's ready. He's like, don't ask that question, man. Don't ask that question. Sorry, I had to. Um, all right, let's do. I'm gonna increase the spiciness. Going with ghost now. And I am going to do sweet baby rays. Right. Um, sweet baby rays. Again, this looks fine. I don't think this is that hot. Okay. Just all trade you. Sweet baby Ray sounds like nice. It sounds like, <laughs> well, like, like a cold breeze. Yeah. It does sound nice. I'm going with this Mexican ghost pepper slash habanero mix. I have at my apartment in New York, I have some of the hottest sauce. Let's uh I've ever let's had. bring it over and, and and let's get AJ to uh try some next time. <laughs> Probably don't need to go on a spoon. Give me a second. Oof, that is, that is. Okay, I got it. What do you think is in that thing, AJ? I, I don't think it's anything special. I think it's just hot, like hot, hot oh, barbecue sauce. But to me, oh, it's, man. it's bad. All right, guys. Cheers. Shoot. Cheers. Cheers. Oh yeah, this is two times more spicy or three. Sweet baby Reese, <laughs> we didn't much care for. It sounds yeah. sounds sweet. It's a, it definitely was sweet. It was not hot. AJ, um, <laughs> it was a little hot. AJ, <laughs> we gotta get this is a. Oh, by the way, this is the first time AJ has come on the show. We're gonna get you on the show more, AJ. Just to just to get just to get you to eat hot sauce. This is really hilarious. It comes in waves. So funny. Um, all right, AJ, oh. you're gonna start to build the tolerance. The more times you're on, the more times you're, you're doing hot, you're drinking hot exactly. sauce. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I meant for the long run. Yeah, for the long run. <laughs> all right. So we can talk about the valuation, but thirty million dollars raised. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little. Wait, who who was the lead investor for this for this round? The lead investor was still um, our Series A investor, which is not typical. Um, usually, you have a different lead for Series B, right. um, but they changed their mandate because they believed in us so much. It was White Star Capital. White Star Capital. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of our existing investors participated, but we had new ones wow. too. Wow! Amazing. Um, all right, let's shift over now to marketing. Right. Because uh, obviously you guys are targeting investors, borrowers, underwriters, a lot of different um, audience. What are you what do you mostly use your marketing for to target? Is it mostly the investors that you're trying to target or more of the borrowers? Or both? Great question. Um, Right now, it's really the investors. Um, Mm -hmm. We, you know, as I mentioned, the goal of our company is to be the infrastructure, the pipes for private credit, right? And bring everybody onto the platform and then they can collaborate using our pipes. Um, Kind of led by the underwriter if you think about it, right? Because they bring borrowers, they use our investors or they bring their investors to the platform and then we continue to attract investors to the marketplace. We have, um, we've got a decent amount of borrowers and underwriters already on the platform. And since private credit is very nascent for retail accredited investors, that's really where our marketing dollars have been focused. We do a little bit around underwriting and borrowers more. I mean, that is true traditional B2B marketing. Right. So that is more of um, the events. We don't, we haven't done much thought leadership or content around that, yeah. um, but we are at industry events. Yeah, no, I'm sure we'll, when we talk a, a little bit more about that, I'll, I'll have a lot to share about events as well. I've been running a lot of events for, um, for founders yeah. recently, but um, let's focus on the investors. You guys are doing okay. some marketing right now. What does your 
marketing mix look like? What kind of channels are you guys using to target uh, the investors? Sure. So, um, oh, we're using bit of, quite a bit of channels. I mean, we're doing a lot of publication um, and newsletter advertising, run of site, newsletter ads, really looking for publications that have a decent percentage of accredited investors. Um, we had a lot of trouble with Google AdWords at first. Um, we recently completely overhauled that. Before I joined, um, they had built Google AdWords up there. It was a, a you know person who had done marketing and then left. And over time, Google Ads just became this monster and it was you know everything just like data and data and keywords and keywords and not the right approach so we've just completely overhauled that and we're actually seeing a lot more success from google ads really gotten Mm. our um cost cost per accredited um investor much much lower um, we're not spending a whole heck of a lot in there because unfortunately, you know, Google ads for us in, in this market with all investment platforms or investment platforms can be a race to the bottom. Right. right. And my competitors, and I can't really say we have competitors because nobody's really doing solely private credit and everybody that we kind of compete with could actually be using our platform for infrastructure from an underwriting and borrower perspective. Uh, but they're spending exorbitant amounts of money on it and we're we're not. But what we are doing has been successful. Um, we do have um, digital events and some in-person events. For example, um, one thing that we're trying out is um, event sponsorships from a sporting perspective. Really? Now we're a small company, we have a huge budget on um, like other platforms like ours, but we're sponsoring pickleball. Wow. Um, pickleball obviously is the newest sport, right? And it's, it's incredibly expensive to sponsor sailing or yachting or um, tennis or golf, um, where a lot of accredited ultra wealthy investors are. Um, those things cost an arm and a leg. And pickleball, there's a, a lot of pickleball tournaments um, in around where we're located, right? In the metro area that have never really had big sponsors. And so we're paying fairly little amount and getting in front of those accredited investors because pickleball is a sport that attracts, you know, folks that um, are older, retired, but also younger that have money. Yeah. So um, we, that we should talk. There was a guest that came on the show. Uh, she, ran, she ran the marketing. She was a CMO for a company that sold uh, e-bikes. They were doing like $300, $300 million in revenue. And now she she is uh, moving over to uh, potentially a pickleball company. Oh, we'll have to so talk. Uh, we'll yeah, pickleball is now uh, next biggest thing. All I can tell you is it's breaking out all over New York City. I'm gonna I'm, um, I'm gonna make a note on that. Okay, so so we got publication newsletters, run of site. We got Google news. Ads. We got digital slash in person events. Any any other channels that yeah, we're missing? Uh, Email, we've really been trying to focus on true life cycle um, marketing um, in terms of conversion because marketing to these investors is not your typical retail B2C marketing. No. There still is a longer sales life For cycle. Sure. So we do treat them more like B2B, yeah. right? Because especially private credit not being well known, you really need to nurture and educate them. Um, so having a strong, um, life cycle program, um, that also ties into SMS, right? So we do, we're doing webinars as well. We have SMS as a channel. We have, um, uh, life cycle, email, life cycle, marketing, um, social LinkedIn. Um, we're starting, you know, we've been doing a lot of organic on LinkedIn and Twitter <laughs> just from a budget perspective. And we do use Facebook and Instagram a bit organically. Um, we've done some paid on those channels as well. Um, but some of them have worked, some of them haven't. Yeah. All right. What am I missing in terms of channels? Yeah, what, are you, what else um, are you missing? You got, you got, you got it. I think you got everything already. Almost. We really got everything. Yeah. Um, what is your, you know, in a lot of the, what is your marketing budget? Like looking, looking like on a monthly or annual basis? So on a monthly basis right now, um, it's about 150K, which if you're in for folks that are listening from a B2B perspective and a smaller company, they're going to be like, wow, yeah. I had a five-year-old B2B that ooh, I never have That's that. That's crazy. That's actually nothing for 
B2C company. It's incredibly, incredibly low. When I look at other companies that are in in the alt space that are about our, our, our you know, our age, they might be spending $400,000 on our. That is incredible. Has it cut down yeah. in the last six months because sales cycles have increased a little bit? We're kind of in a little bit of a recession. Has that decreased or has has always been 150K? No, it used to be, it used to be more. Um, Makes sense. It used to be more and we have cut back a little bit, but now that we have Series B funding, we're going to increase a little bit more. It's still, like I said, it's still a very low budget for what we want to do. And we're still tapping into some of that for B2B, right? Because you do have your industry events that cost a bit and we're doing advertising a video around that as well. so it's yeah a lot of companies uh a lot of cmos that we're bringing on the show they're shifting a lot of their budget away from paid um which we'll talk a little bit a little bit about later with aj as well to hear his his thoughts but uh, shifting away from paid and more of the traditional uh uh, channels and over to events community community community-led growth yeah. Is that what, are you guys really starting to look at that for a 2023 strategy or like, cause I know you guys already do some events. Not, I mean, we're testing out the waters with pickleball. A lot of the events from a accredited investor perspective, um, they tend to be a lot of money. Right. And again, right. they want to be wined and dined. Right. So that's where you're sponsoring events like you know, yachting in the Hamptons or golf events. And those cost a lot of money. So that's where we've tried out some other things where we've tried out pickleball. We're seeing some modest success with that, but it's a series of three pickleball events. So the goal is to continue to nurture them throughout the next four months as they have these series of tournaments in Connecticut. Um, And then we've also tried some digital um, events. There are um, like full day or multi-day online um, sessions for accredited investors that are put on by one company or one organization is called The Money Show. Um, they do also have in-person events, but we did um, uh, one of their uh, three-day events. We spoke on one day, did a panel. Um, we didn't have a whole heck of a lot of success from that. But again, it was at a time where private credit still wasn't very well known. Um, and we just did another one called Wealth Channel. So there are some of these events, these, these they're kind of like webinars, but think about it as just a virtual event room, right? Where there's, you know, 10 to 15 different speakers, panels, there are demos, um, you can have one-to-one meetings with people. Um, so we're trying that from a credit investor perspective. We don't do like the paid stuff that we do. As I mentioned, we were spending a lot of money on Google ads. We were not seeing the right results. And I was comparing ourselves to what other platforms were doing. Because I was doing a lot of deep dives with other platforms. And they were spending a lot of money and still not getting the results. So we really pulled back on that. So, yes, we are in line with what other CMOs are saying in terms of pulling back. Because we don't spend a lot in 2023 on that. Right now, you know, we're as we're revamping and redoing Google ads and retesting, you know, we've probably spent $20,000, which is much different because before we were spending like hundred and maybe like 120 each on Google ads um, and just not getting it. Um, And public, the publications we're not pulling back on if they are the right publications, we test them out at a lower cost and we will repeat them over a period of time, (laughs) not back to back. So that we don't tire people out. And and some of those are not that expensive. We're not advertising in the journal anymore or Bloomberg or anything like yeah. that because th- that was a lot and we weren't seeing the returns. Uh, for anything, not just publications, but for events, everyone is saying big is actually worse now. When you go to the big events, yeah. it has lower ROI. When you go with the big publications, yeah. lower ROI. Everyone's going with the niche, smaller publications, smaller events. Those tend to have better yeah. ROI. Of, of those five yeah. channels... Oh yeah, go ahead. Ooh, no, sorry. No, go ahead. I left out. I mean, affiliate is the newsletters <laughs> and the publications, but it's also the um, you know there's a lot of review sites out there like um, Investor Junkie, um, Wall Street Zen, uh, Young and the Invested. Ugh. There's a whole bunch of those, and those are not that expensive either. Right. And we've had decent results from those. <laughs> so that is stuff that we're spending on. But again, you're talking about smaller ticket items yep. that are paid that, you know, produce decent 
marketing qualified and sales qualified leads at a lower cost. Exactly. So of, of those five channels, we mentioned social, yeah. publications, Google ads, events, email, which of these are your top one? Or, let's say the number one, the number one channel in terms of ROI, like which one of those? I think honestly, the number one channel in terms of ROI has been our affiliates and the newsletters. That's where we're seeing um, the biggest increase yeah, yeah. Um, in marketing qualified leads. Events too, but what happens with events is, you know, for example, with Money Show back in January, we got about 300 um, leads from that, but they didn't all turn into signups, which, you know, becomes a marketing qualified <laughs> lead. Um, and then the other thing too is we've done some stuff with partners. Which is a no cost, sorry, my computer made a noise, which is a no cost effort, right? So there are other plat alternative investment <laughs> platforms right now that we're all struggling for accredited investors, right? Like I said, yeah. it's a race to the bottom. So as but, when you're but, marketing, you're yeah. stealing people's time, you want to provide people with value. So one thing that has been beneficial for us yeah. is partnering yeah. with other platforms yeah. like Acre Trader. Equi, ground floor. Now, Acre Trader is farmland investing. Ground floor is real estate investing. Um, I apologize. There's about to be a thunderstorm out there, so you may hear thunder in the background. It's not your which stomach, I just heard. guys. It's not Jessica's stomach. It's the thunderstorm. <laughs> it's not like, yes. Um, we yeah. actually did a webinar that, again, no cost, very light lift. It yielded over five hundred and fifty. <laughs> leads wow and that, excellent i mean so i forgot about that that effort it's not really a channel because it's it's webinars right. right it's it's online event um that has been incredibly successful Great. for us so if i have to rate it i would probably say the publications because those actually give us signups and mqls mm -hmm. sqls actually mm -hmm. go on to invest mm -hmm. um the um uh and the affiliates, affiliates and then yeah. those events and partner efforts nice digital events okay I'm sure we'll dive into it some more, but I want to hand it over to AJ. I know you guys have done some LinkedIn ads in the past. Maybe I'll, I'll hand it over to AJ and he'll probably have some questions for you with LinkedIn ads. Perfect. So Jessica, I know that LinkedIn ads were not on your, your current list of marketing efforts. What's been your experience with LinkedIn ads? So, um, well, my team used to do LinkedIn ads all the time at Refinitiv. But again, you're talking about a 360 person marketing team and a 20 plus million dollar budget. So um, that's a different story. And Refinitiv was a very, 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 is a very successful company. Um, we have not done much LinkedIn here, unfortunately, um, because we've been focused on the B2C side. And LinkedIn, just in my experience, I come from a B2B background. LinkedIn has been um, much more effective on the B2B side. So we have done some light B2B marketing um, using paid on LinkedIn for borrowers, but it was it was back in late 2021 and early 2022. And again, private credit just wasn't that well known. So at the time, it wasn't that successful for us. However, I'm going to say is LinkedIn organic has actually been incredibly successful for us. Our followers just keep increasing week by week. We just yeah, passed, yeah. I know it's not a huge amount, but for us it is. We just passed 10,000 followers, which for yeah, us yeah. is amazing. Because when I joined, I want to say we started out maybe 5,000, I think. So we've doubled it in, in a year. Um, and we post constantly. And what does that help with? That actually helps from a brand perspective. So when my sales team goes out and is talking to funds, or um, family yeah. offices, they'll often say to him, like, if you, <laughs> if you're in private credit, you know who Fine. percent is. If you don't know, if you're not, if you don't know what percent is, you're not in private credit, right? <laughs> Which is a testament <laughs> to our brand efforts because we're all over the place from a PR perspective. We're in the news every week because we're really pushing the ground, you know, pushing the ground <laughs> on that or hitting the ground on that, and we're really over, you know, we're, we're posting on LinkedIn. <laughs> at least three times a week, if not daily, and sometimes twice a day. Um, and, you know, we're posting our own stuff. We're sharing other articles um, from Bloomberg, the journal, and their journalists. We're tagging other companies that are talking about private credit. So it's just really gotten us out there. And 
I'm honestly so thankful for LinkedIn from an organic mm-hmm. perspective because it's done wonders. All right. So what tactics have you done? Because to double from 5,000 to 10,000 followers is incredible. What are the tactics that your team has done to, to complete that? So believe it or not, I actually managed, well, I was managing our LinkedIn because I have a small team, right? Everybody's, we're, we're all, we wear multi-hats. I now have um, a social person on our PR team that does LinkedIn. I wind up posting that she writes everything only because I'm very OCD. I like to make sure everything's perfect, but well, we've, again, it's it's posting daily, um, posting, you know, or posting a couple times a day. It is not just promoting yourself. It's sharing news. Right. So, for example, a post that we put out um, earlier this week was about investing powerhouse KKR talking about um, the, the how private credit is like the place to be and it's growing. Um, where then what we'll do is we'll tag KKR and we'll tag the author. So what does that do? That gets you even more exposure because people that follow those companies are seeing them tagged and they're seeing the percent name associated with yeah, it. Yeah. So that has really helped us. Obviously, we're posting about ourselves as well. Every time we're mentioned in the news, we have an article, a thought leadership piece. We put out a monthly market update on what's going on in the market in general. We do that, but we try at least two or three times a week, um, not always to post about ourselves to post and to then tag those people that are writing it, especially the journalists, because then they know, hey, the CEO and the president of Percent are experts in private credit and Percent is a platform for private credit. At, when I'm writing these articles, I need to talk to them. So it's also increased our, our, our presence in the news. We get more articles off that. And podcasts too, people, people find us on LinkedIn because they're seeing us posting and exactly, exactly what Simon did. And we were just on a podcast by Aspen Funds. They have a podcast called Invest Like a Billionaire. They also, um, you know, they see us on LinkedIn. So it's, um, it's really, it's really helped. That's how we, that's how we've doubled. Everyone pay attention to that strategy. I, I get asked all the time how to get more company page followers. And it is, it's an awesome strategy. One of the biggest challenges we see on LinkedIn is that when you post from a company, very few people tend to interact with it. Those posts don't go very viral. They don't get great reach. But when you post as an individual, uh, you can get, you know, 10 times that reach quite easily. And but of course, if you can get followers to your company page, it cuts down on the amount of advertising you have to do because now they're seeing the same messages you'd yep. put out in ads, yep. but naturally for free. So and I then applaud. the other thing to add to that too is encouraging your colleagues. So whenever we post, every day I do a social post of the day. I provide the corporate LinkedIn uh, link sharing link and the Twitter sharing link. Send it over Slack to the company and ask people to share yeah. it and. In our monthly marketing meeting, we're constantly letting people know this is how we're building our brand. You put it out to your audience, they're going to see it as, you know, and it's going to continue to share and build. It's, It's a viral strategy. And I'll also add to that recently LinkedIn gave, um, uh, if you're a page admin, you get a certain number of invites to invite people to follow your company page. So a lot that we've seen have been growing very quickly by just everyone who's a company page admin, take five minutes a day and invite people who are as part of the industry. It's free to do and people still do it because it's new. And I haven't even done that yet. So I've got to make myself a note to do that (laughs) because that will increase our followers. But yeah, without even doing that, we've increased. Love that. Okay, next question then. What functionality, if LinkedIn ads came out with it today, would make it worth investing in for you? Oh, um, that's a great question. Um, God, that's a hot sauce question, actually. I've got to really think about that one. Oh, I didn't think that was going to be a hot sauce question. Oh. AJ, why did you do not- that? Oh. I've got th- to think about okay. it. Let, let me think about it. Save you, AJ, first. Um, yeah, we can come back to it. Let's come back to that one because I want to. I don't want to make you vomit or turn bright red again. Thank you. <laughs> right, so, you know, good functionality. I think for us, it's been you know, it's been more of a cost perspective. Um, and I'm not in. I'll be honest with you. I'm not in the details when it comes to LinkedIn P that's really my growth marketing the, my VP of growth marketing but again it's more cost 
cost thing, getting it less expensive. Um, I'm sure there's things that can be done from a targeting perspective, right? And actually, there was one thing that we talked about before we even joined, and maybe you can actually expand on this, is what, and I know I've answered the question for myself, is if we could target accredited investors because we use it to target, re, we use it to target businesses, right? We've been doing some stuff with link within mail and sales navigator. We've contracted a company that reaches out from our president's account um, to family offices and funds. But I'd love to figure out how can I get in front of a retail accredited investors? There's no, to my knowledge, there's no functionality for that. <laughs> What's, um, Let's let's ask a tough question. What are you guys's? So so we know your costs. We know your channels. We know even your cost per lead and cost per like. We know a lot of the things on the cost side. How are you guys doing on the revenue side? What are you guys doing in terms of revenue right now? Uh, revenue. Um, can I talk about revenue? I can give you a general answer, and you may say this is hot sauce right, material. Right. Um. I will say we have confidence that we're going to double our revenue, if not triple, and, and triple our annual recurring revenue this year. I have seen, I have seen like online a, that you guys are doing around $30, $40 dollars in revenue. No, no, lower. No, 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 lower. Yeah, but uh, that's all, all right. I can say. Well, yeah, they want to do. Because my CEO is going to watch this. <laughs> All right, we'll do we'll do a shot of hot sauce. And then I'd love to dive into your background, Jessica. And it's like you as sure. a person. So AJ, AJ's like, right. why did you ask that question? I can't tell if AJ's frozen or if he's just... I think, in, he, I think he died. Okay. Not in shock. All right. Uh, I'm actually not... I, didn't, I screwed up. I'm not going to do this whole thing because it's Carolina Reaper. I will lick it. I'll save this for Carolina Reaper. So that's a little too much. All right, cheers. That was the Chelsea we got. That was spicy. Have you ever had? I so there's a a restaurant in um, New York called the Mala Project, and I guess it's um, I think Mal is Mala. um, It's like Chinese Chinese. Is it Chinese? spice and so i went out to dinner there and you can get you know no not spicy little spicy medium spicy hot, hot, very spicy i had oh my God. very spicy because i i think i can take it all i so i had my name on a wall really? at a restaurant in new york because it was one of those indian restaurants and they have the very spicy vindaloo and i said give me the spiciest and he's like are, are you sure you want it and he's like you're not indian i'm like give it to me and i ate it and they were so impressed that mala, the mala project. Oh my God. It took me about an hour to eat it. It was, it was tough. Wow. That is, you're a warrior. So you've had an incredible career so far working at major, big, big companies. My mouth is on fire. Uh, JP Morgan, Thomson Reuters, so many different companies. What is like the one or two things that you would, um, if you were to look back on your career that allowed you to grow and be, and get to this the point that you're at right now? What was like the one or two things? Was it like just people around you or, uh, you know, family background or I don't know, just experience, like, I, what is it? Like the one or two things? I think it's a combination of things. Um, you know, whenever anybody asks me that, I always have to um, thank my parents, especially my mother, who was a, a very, very strong woman, who um, worked her way through an MBA and uh, worked at what was Lockheed or what was Lockheed Martin. I don't even know if Lockheed Martin is still around. I think it's now BAE Systems, and you know, was grew you know grew her career in an age of all men, and really had to learn how to fight for herself and stand up and be strong um, and be smart. So she really, you know, she really taught me confidence in that respect and to push hard and to work hard. Um, But also I've had, I've had some great people around me and those great people. um, I had a boss at, at uh, Thompson Reuters before it changed to Refinitiv who um, just trusted me to the hilt and really was not a micromanager and let me do my thing because I knew what I was doing. And, 
that just really allows you to grow and build relationships and get to know the business and establish establish yourself as an expert with your um, business colleagues, right? The folks that led the business that were outside of marketing. Um, so that really, really helped. But I'm going to be honest with you. The one thing that has taught me so much and helped me so much in my career is having a bad boss. Having a bad has, boss has taught me what never to do, but also it's made me so strong. I had, I'm not going to name the company, but I had a job at a marketing, I had a job in marketing um, as the head of marketing at a company. Um, and it was the most toxic place I've ever been at. The CEO was extremely narcissistic and just screamed at everybody all the time. And you were afraid to do every, anything. I would watch him, you know, I would watch this person tell people that, you know, they were worthless. He didn't know why he hired them, that he had to do their job. People were afraid. Um, it basically, you, I couldn't get anything done from a marketing perspective. And, you know, I come from the minds, I come from a sales mindset, right? Where marketing always has to be aligned to revenue, right? Otherwise, it's a waste to do marketing. You have to be able to justify it. And marketing is, is, is the first part of right. sales, right? It is true demand generation and it drives the pipeline. Um, and for first that don't have marketing, I highly encourage them to get marketing because you need to have your salespeople focus on nurturing those relationships and you need to have marketing doing demand gen. But this company didn't believe in marketing and it just broke me down to a place that I hadn't been before. And I was a phoenix rising from the ashes after that. And it, 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 made me so strong. Um, not that I would encourage anybody to get beaten down, but I will tell you, you know, having uh, bad bosses and having bad experiences, if you can get through that, you can conquer anything and you learn so much. You learn how to stand up for yourself. You learn how to advocate and you learn how to really, really sell and pitch marketing. And you also learn how to deal with challenging personalities and challenging situations. So that next time this ever happens, like, you know how to attack it. So that really has, has taught me so much and helped me so much in yeah. my career. I think, first of all, beautiful. Like uh, when I talk to a lot of uh, leaders, these were the two, these similar stories come to mind where they had bad experiences and they had good experiences and they, and they always will choose to default to being a good leader, right? And that allows them to actually be a better person overall. When it comes to being a good leader, so much of that is just like trusting your team that they'll get it done okay. and empowering them. We use the word empower all the time. What does empower really mean? Empower is like literally you teach them enough that they know what to do and then you let them swim on their own. You don't hold their hand while they're swimming. They, you, they can't do that. They, they're not fully swimming when you're holding their, their hands. You got to let them swim on their own, even if it means them drowning and you just trust that they'll figure it out. To me, that's true empowerment. What, what kind of what kind of techniques do you use to empower your team members? Because I because you have a team member as well, a bunch of team members as well. How how yeah. do you think about? But what do you think about when it comes to being a good leader and empowering people? So a good leader and empowering people for me, I I everything you said and then more. Um, you know, I have weekly. I'm, I'm constantly engaged with my team, right? I've got weekly check-ins with them and it's more for them to use me, not for me to micromanage them and ask, where is this, yeah. where is this? But more for them to, you know, educate me. I look to them like I, 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 in order for me to be successful, it's all about hiring the right people, right? I am nothing without my team, right? Because I am leading that. And their success is my success. So I want them to be 100% successful. So I am there for them on those weekly team meetings for them to run things by me, ask me questions, vent, check in on how they're feeling because we're a startup where we work like crazy and people also have personal things going on, right? So I always want to make sure that my team is in a good mindset, right? Um, in startup, you can get burned out really? very quickly. Marketing, we're always going, going, going. Um, it's very important for me to ensure that they take vacations, they've had breaks, they can push stuff off. 
if they're overwhelmed, it's reprioritizing everything. Because at the end of the day, you're not, we're not solving for cancer here. We're an alternative investment platform. I'm sorry. Like if we were solving for cancer or world peace, that would be completely different. There are things that can wait. So making sure I'm there for them, for that perspective, but also again, not micromanaging, like you said, teaching them and letting them swim. And if they're sinking, giving them the tools and the education and the opportunity to learn and grow. And that is important. Um, you know, I'm constantly on the lookout for free trainings. You know, they've got a lot of online webinars, sessions, et cetera, that you can learn about content marketing, digital marketing, how to, you know, um, uh, you know, navigate with senior management, how to, you know, um, public speak, et cetera, how to manage your time. Um, I used, I, I haven't lately just because we've been a little crazy, but every two weeks I do a marketing learning, right. Where I'm sharing knowledge in terms of whatever things we have going on at that month, getting them to learn and, and educate themselves on that particular topic. And then I brought us on um, a couple of platforms. There is a platform that I used to use. It's out of the UK. They're, they're building themselves in the U S yep. and I'm a big proponent of theirs. They're called B2B yeah. marketing. Um, and they've got a, a portal called Propolis. Um, yeah. And B2B and B2C in my world, it's not much that much different, as I mentioned, because our <laughs> our Cs, they need to be nurtured. So it's often a B2B, you know, what B2B tactics um, and getting giving them access to that, right? Where they can network, ask questions, et cetera. <laughs> All right, final question, and then we'll, and then we'll jump out. Uh, you guys just raised a bunch of money, right? You gotta put that capital into into play somehow. What is, what is your biggest challenge right now or, or, you know, to frame it in a different way, like what are the next biggest tests that you guys will be ho hopefully trying to test out just uh, scaling on what you guys are doing right now, or are you guys going to be doing new things? So I would say it's scaling on what we're doing now, hiring. Um, we're being very in this market. When you raise that money, you have to very stretch careful. it. Right. And I've seen a lot of companies in the past that have raised that yeah. just started burning through cash, right? And now they can't, now they can't meet those air or those revenue goals, right? We want to be very wise. So we are not going on a hiring spree. I do have to hire because I've had somebody recently that um, has, is, uh, today is his last day. Unfortunately, um, he's taking a job closer to home because he has three young kids and it's a long commute into yeah. the city. Um, so I do have to hire um, and I do need some junior roles as well, but we are not yeah. as a company doing massive hiring. We are not doing massive spending, um, which is so refreshing to see and, 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 and experience um, because you know that you'll have that funding for a while. So it's, it's scaling the team. It's, it's, it's continuing to scale what we're doing, continue to really analyze everything and making sure that, you know, your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed when you are analyzing the efficiency and the cost effectiveness of everything. Um, my biggest challenge right now is that we are, um, we are going to, or we have engaged with a leading industry research firm called Greenwich Associates. I've worked with them for years at JP Morgan, at Thomson Reuters, at Refinitiv. Um, they're, you know, they're expensive, but they produce great research and we're going to do a co-sponsored research mm -hmm. piece to get out to institutional investors and family offices. That is a good chunk of money. So my biggest stress is making sure that the ROI for that is what I need it to be, um, that we are getting in front of those clients. We are getting MQLs and SQLs and those people are investing and they are repeat clients. Yeah, especially right now when the when yeah. sales cycles are have doubled or tripled because everyone's holding their wallets tight, right? Being careful with what with where they're spending. So important to make sure everything yeah. has a good ROI and it's bringing money. Yeah. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for jumping on to the show. Uh, I tip. Yeah, typically we end off the show with a shot of hot sauce, but I, I look, I'm looking over at AJ. He's saying, like, "Don't do it." Yeah, um, and also AJ, thank you so much for for jumping on. Um, uh, your your knowledge uh, in the uh, for the LinkedIn segment is just incredible. We'll probably have to get you back on. Uh, we'll, we'll you and I will chat. We'll, we'll see if we can do more of these together. But uh, thank you guys so much for jumping <laughs> on, nice. and uh, hopefully we'll. Do round two at some point, just so when you guys, when your engines are rolling and things are back to normal, we'll have to do a round two.
Would love that. Thank you again for having me. And AJ, I look forward to watching you on the next podcast and hoping that you're acclimating yeah. to this. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, guys, that's it for another spicy episode of Marketing on Mars. I'm really not sure who got burned more, my taste buds or the guest taste buds. My mouth is on fire. Real talk, though. If you're not already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Each episode I make is basically an unedited raw dinner with some of the leading marketing voices. They tell us the truth or they take a shot of hot sauce. We're on almost every single platform. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and more. There's really no excuse. Until next time, Martians, keep it hot and keep it real.